previously on Nurse Jackie. Mike Lindell of My Pillow. Boy, do you sell those pillows? That's unbelievable what you do. America is very grateful to you and what you've done. Amazing job you've done, and we thank you very much. Come on up, fellas, please. Come on up. People are selling a lot of lies, and people are buying them up because of the desperation, and I get it. You know what I heard when I first met you? <sighs> what? What are you doing? That's an ambulance coming to take me away because the sight of you stopped my heart. And you have these wicked phantasmagorical experiences that are not dreams. Now, what I've also learned is there is so much BS on the internet that people are trying to peddle. There, I would, I'd rather vote for Trump than him. I, I don't think he could handle anything. I mean, you're relying entirely on his cabinet. Like, if you want to talk about a, an individual leader that can communicate, he can't do that. The Bernie Bros are here. Let him go. Broadcasting live to tape from the dirtiest city in the world, outside of Italy, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. What are you thinking about when that buzzer's on? Uh, what do you think about when the 15th round of you're coming out? You're listening to the Society Show. You know we're living in a society. On today's episode. We talk about the Trump administration announcing they will disestablish the land trust uh, status for the Moshpee Wapanog tribe in Massachusetts. This country is so screwed up, man. The Hungarian parliament voted to cancel all elections, suspend its own ability to legislate, and gave Prime Minister Orban the right to rule by decree. Who's in charge here? Workers protested and continue to protest Instacart, Amazon, Whole Foods, and more for health protection and hazard pay. They'll pay for this. The United States and American media try to justify their cruelty to Iran and Venezuela amid the coronavirus and fail spectacularly. You are fake news. And then at the end of the show, we'll have my state of the state, state of the state, state of the state, where I talk about the state of the state, state of the state, all of this and much, much more on the society show. Society. But first, but first, but first, but first, but first, but first. But first, let's look at some news around the world and talk about the facts and logic report. Jeffrey Epstein's victim said he introduced them to Harvey Weinstein and talked up his Hollywood connections to gain power over young women. People that had sex hundreds of times in coffins. As mentioned earlier, and I'll go into more, the Moshpee Wampanoag tribe is fighting for their land after the Trump administration announced it would be, quote, disestablished. Why did he do this? We'll find out a lot more later. You're a waste. You're a waste. (laughs) 
Several ISIS members escaped from a Syrian prison on Sunday by ripping off doors and using them to break down a wall during a prison riot. Running riot. This happened at the Gueron prison in the northeastern city of Hazaka, which is administered by the Kurdish Syrian Democratic Forces or the SDF. I'm Syrian. I made the. Uh, I'm made in Syria, and I have to live in Syria and die in Syria. The internal security apparatus of Hamas in the Gaza, Gaza Strip said that they arrested several Israeli collaborators who admitted to monitoring the weekly protests called the Great March of Return. May Allah awaken the people and help them to see the evil doings of Israel and the United States. Oil prices fall to a 17-year low as Saudi Arabia continues to wage oil price war with Russia, despite Washington, D.C. pressuring both sides to end it. As well as the kind of place you should go to war with, because they have lots of oil, and we'll take that. If you're interested to hear more about this, I talked actually in-depth about it last episode. Gun ownership soars in Brazil after Bolsonaro's first policy in office eased gun control laws. Bolsonaro and his sons continue to try and push firearm ownership into the mainstream, using similar talking points to the NRA in the U.S. Bolsonaro. Now using that to transition to coronavirus news. The Cybersecurity cyber and Infrastructure Security Agency has designated gun sellers as part of the country's quote, critical infrastructure during the coronavirus outbreak. And the country in question is the United States, if you couldn't figure that out. Shots fired! Shots fired! The CDC started using a new app to help them watch where COVID-19 is spreading and checks how well-equipped hospitals are to deal with the spikes in cases of the fatal virus. However, this app was built by Palantir. Peter Thiel, the human scumbag parasite's $20 billion data company. Finally, those capitalist pigs will pay for their crimes, eh? Hey, comrades, hey! The Hungarian parliament voted to cancel all elections, suspend its own ability to legislate, and gave Prime Minister Viktor Orban the right to rule by decree indefinitely. I mentioned this earlier and I'm going to go into it a lot more later on in the episode. Authoritarians who want to control us so that they can have us silent. Thomas Schaefer, the finance minister of the German state Hesse, was found dead by suicide near a railroad track after he became, quote, deeply worried about the economic fallout from coronavirus. I got hit by a train last year while I was walking. Eight people were killed as a plane carrying medical supplies crashed in the Philippines. The plane was bound for Tokyo and caught on fire as it was taking off. Rest in peace. Syrian refugees in Lebanon, of which there are about 1.5 million, are scared to get tested for the coronavirus out of fear of being deported. Did this ever happen before? As the Libyan civil war continues, the country is in no place to handle the coronavirus. There's only 10 cases, but things could get worse very quickly. 466 detainees in pre-trial detention were released to prevent the further spread of coronavirus. Came, we saw, he died. <laughs> 
The mayor of Toronto said anyone caught walking within two meters of another person in a Toronto public park or square may be subject to a fine of up to $5,000 in Canadian dollars, which I think is around 3500 in the US dollars. All that and much, much more. This is The Society Show. Society. Now, I already alluded to this, but let's talk about the Moshpee Wampanoag tribe who is fighting for their land. The Trump administration announced the Moshpee Wampanoag tribe in Massachusetts would be, quote, disestablished and its land trust status removed. This would basically turn an Indian reservation into not a reservation anymore. It's removing the reservation status from a reservation. Clap if you understand what I'm saying. The tribal chairman Cedric Cromwell said, quote, The secretary is under no court order to take our land out of trust. They almost seem to make up laws just for charging fines. He is fully aware that litigation to uphold our status as a tribe, eligible for the benefits of the Indian Reorganization Act, is ongoing. That's right, buddy. You show that turn who's boss. If you don't know about this policy, the Indian Reorganization Act was also known as the, quote, Indian New Deal, because it happened during the FDR administration, reversed the U.S.'s official policy of assimilating Native Americans and protected Native sovereignty of re reservations, and it prote protected the reservation land. This was mostly liked by most Native Americans at the time. Last time I talked to you. And it does set the precedent for or at least that's the modern precedent for what we think of as protecting uh, tribal reservations. At the time, the largest tribe in America, the Navajo, had been hurt by what was called the Navajo Livestock Reduction Program, which basically the federal government seized their livestock. These would-be gods of the New World Order. And jailed people who opposed it. And this was during, like, the Great Depression. So they were opposed to the uh, Indian Reorganization Act. There were so several other people who were as well, simply because they distrusted the U.S. federal government and who could blame them? Da, da, da. Da, da, da. But at the same time, this does provide a lot of rights that uh, protect them to this day. And that makes it really hard to think that the Trump administration would succeed in would succeed in disestablishing them. Liberals have really failed. Now, let's talk about motivation, though, because that's one thing that hasn't come up very much in the reporting on this. What's my motivation? The Moshpee Wampanoag tribe plans to build a $1 billion casino in Taunton. 
Taunton, Massachusetts. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. And this casino is only about a half hour from Rhode Island casinos. Ta-da! Um, it's in southern Massachusetts and Rhode Island's tiny. It's like basically right by Rhode Island. If you don't know about New England, I don't know very much either. Just know that most things in Massachusetts are really close to Rhode Island. People in New England might be like, no, that's not true, but relative to most of the world and country, yes, they are very close to each other. Oh, good for you! Um, yeah, so you can drive to Massachusetts, or drive to Rhode Island in about a half hour from Taunton, Massachusetts. So, this new casino in Taunton, Massachusetts is uh will be competing with several that are in Rhode Island and those casinos in Rhode Island have close ties to Trump many many french fries which means it's very likely that this is just financially motivated Trump is trying to protect his capitalist buds i mean what else could could the motivation be there there's really no other explanation it's all about the money. Now, the next story is, as I mentioned, the the Hungarian parliament, which is controlled by Viktor Orban's party called Fidesz. Yeah, I just looked up how to pronounce it to make sure I was pronouncing it right. It's called, pronounced Fidesz. V-F-I-D-E-S-Z. The Hungarian parliament, which is controlled by them, voted to cancel all elections suspend its own ability to legislate, and give Prime Minister Orban the right to rule by decree indefinitely. I don't even believe this. This is what the Nazis believe. These laws were passed under the pretext that they'd be used to fight coronavirus. The real question is, can you fight? But obviously that's uh, very simplistic and not really what's happening. What's the bus? Tell me what's happening. Instead, this decree, there, this new policy of giving Orban infinite power was used to pass long contested legislature about building a Budapest museum quarter. You any kind of artist? Anybody know who you are? Many people oppose the district for several reasons. One, they would combine two Hungarian art museums into one. People see this as a purely economic and tourist-minded plan that doesn't take the art into consideration. It's just mashing two different museums together and being like, oh, they belong together, when in fact they were never curated to be together. It doesn't really make sense in an artistic sense for them to be in the same museum. They weren't designed to ever be part of the same museum, so people are objecting on artistic grounds like that. An artist respects the silence that serves as the foundation of creativity. Um, other people see it as a jingoistic gesture that's purely politically motivated. I mean, the first one's politically motivated too, so these overlap. But Viktor Orban's party has stated that they have a, quote, hands-on cultural policy. You're a, a, a culture war warrior. The Orban administration has reached deep into this. For example, there was a former head of a museum who... Uh, kind of was forced out indirectly and was 
and they were a pretty left-wing person and they were replaced by a Fidesz member. There's an idea revolution happening right now. The Orban administration wants to synthesize art, culture, economics, all these things into the Hungarian state, which I always think is kind of the flagship marker of fascism. That's what Mussolini emphasized. Nothing is outside of the state. And Orban wants Hungarian art to be um, assimilated within the state apparatus, even more than it already is. And uh, a third reason why people are really opposed to the Budapest Museum Quarter is it would use land from the city park in Budapest, which residents are mostly opposed to because it's a great park. Or at least I hear it is. I've never been there, but... And it would require a bunch of, you know, changing or... In order to build this district, they need to skirt, change, or ignore many zoning laws that make the zoning for this quarter completely illegal. Um, so that's one thing they push through. Not too offensive. You can see why there's a creeping element of fascism to it. Um, but keep in mind, this has been a hotly contested issue in Hungary for over 10 years. This isn't just some random thing that he decide to, de decided to do. Just do it! If you're hearing this and you're American or at least non-Hungarian, you might be like, this seems like small potatoes, but to Hungary, it really isn't. This was a big deal for them. This is the deal. Or a big deal for Fidesz, I should say, and then the people who opposed it, it was a big deal because they didn't want it. And then some of the other things that Orban has done with this decree... For one, he prohibited transgender people from legally changing their sex, which... I don't know if you heard, but a motorcycle just drove past it. It was really loud. But prohibiting transgender people from legally changing their sex, obviously that has nothing to do with coronavirus. And it just... Why? Like, honestly, why? What's the point? Why are you running? Why are you running? Uh, why is that a policy? I don't get it. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? And then he also wants to pass a decree making information about a major Chinese railway system classified so people can't know about it. Back on the train. This one seems pretty sketchy to me, but it's a little vague and I couldn't find more information about it, so... I'll just leave it at that. What's the bus? Tell me what's happening. 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 Before I get into my last two stories, I just want to emphasize something about my podcast that I really want people to feel. I, I want people to know. Yeah, 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 I know. When I read news about stuff, they rarely give context. You are fake news. For example, when I was reading the news about the Moshpee Wampanoag tribe, very little sources even mention Trump's connection 
to Rhode Island casinos. Or if they did, it was just a fleeting mention, like, oh, ho-hum. Yada, yada, yada. We'll say this, but whatever. When clearly that is the motivation to do it. Just do it! And, and another thing, in terms of the Orban story, People, I read so many stories about it, and people rarely gave thorough info. For example, most stories, how I talked a lot about the museum quarter, most stories would be like, his first degree was building a museum, and that's all they have to say about it. When in reality, there's way more politics going on there than there is in just, oh, build a new museum, that's cool. It's a deeply politically contested issue with a lot of implications. What do you mean? So I just want to make clear that one of my main goals with my podcast is that I want to give the context that the news usually doesn't give. I feel like there's a disconnect between the real world and news. The news is written so vaguely without any sort of historical and material context that none of it really makes sense. It, it, there's no impact. It, it's like it's like writing a uh, it's like transcribing a speech. Like sure they, or you know it's stenography it's like sure you're getting the details but you aren't getting the impact you aren't getting why it matters and hey where's the thing that's that's too that's kind of the reason why i focused on these two stories because i felt like they weren't being properly contextualized the way they were being reported I'm sorry, I just had to get on my soapbox about that, but now that we have that out of the way, let's talk about the protests going on in response to coronavirus. My mom is on the cheese! Mom is on the cheese! If I get lucky, I'll get a disease! Workers protested and continue to protest at Instacart, Amazon, Whole Foods, and many more. Jeff Bozo. In fact, just this morning I saw there was a walkout at a McDonald's in Los Angeles because someone there had coronavirus and management wasn't telling people. Um, so people are protesting and walking out for health protections and hazard pay. Then pay with your blood! The main objection for all three of these companies, Instacart, Amazon, blah, 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 was the fact that they, the workers were being heavily exposed to the coronavirus with little or no protection. I actually live right by a Whole Foods, a whole paycheck. Bazinga, 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 bazinga. And uh, they were having people just come in and out like normal, no protection for uh, staff. Only less than a week ago. Meanwhile, I also live kind of close by Trader Joe's. And as soon as the uh, coronavirus started, Trader Joe's was making people stand in line. Only letting a certain amount of people in the store at a time. Giving them hand sanitizer, cleaning off the carts, all of that. They were doing that weeks and weeks before Whole Foods. 
uh, just to give you a little insight into how shitty Amazon and Whole Foods are handling the situation. It's getting almost scary to walk the streets. An Amazon employee named Christian Smalls, pretty good name, right? My name is also Christian, it's a good name to have. If God had a name, what would it be? He's become the face of a lot of these strike actions because he learned that someone at his New Jersey Amazon warehouse had coronavirus and management wasn't telling employees about it. Smalls told his co-workers in the staff break room they were at risk of coronavirus and scheduled a walkout and was consequently fired for it. You're fired. Then, a memo leaked from Amazon's internal discussion regarding Christian Smalls and what they say is frankly disgusting. Um, here's a quote from Amazon General Counselor, Counsel David Zapolsky. He said, quote, He's not smart or articulate, and to the extent the press wants to focus on us versus him, we will be in a much stronger PR position than simply explaining for the umpteenth time how we're trying to protect workers. Racist and other words. And the baffling thing about this, this is this is portrayed by Vice, who I think was the first to report on it as a leak, but then they also mentioned the notes from this meeting were forwarded widely in the company. The Amazon Washington Post. Can you believe that? Someone would write that racist shit and then forward it all around the company? It's not like some, like, if you've seen Succession, that's the show on HBO about a big media family. It's not then they ha there's a character named uh, Greg who's like the poor, um, distant family member who always gets roped up into stuff. It's not like some Greg-type, socially awkward, like, pimpled nerd found these notes and then leaked it. It was forwarded around the company. This is how little corporate capitalists think of you. They think workers are such stupid pieces of shit that if the general public even hears from you, they will turn against you because of how stupid you are. George is getting upset! They even say they want the press to focus on us versus him because it'll put them in a stronger PR position than just putting out empty words, Oh, we protect our workers! I'm losing it! So... And although there is, like, a grain of truth uh, that some people will always hate workers and think they're pieces of shit. Why didn't you get rid of that bleep of shit? This goes beyond simply, you know, workers are dumb and capitalists are smart. Like I said earlier, the post is also racist as shit. Because Christian Smalls is black and he has a New Jersey accent. They think he's stupid and others will also find him stupid. Even though I've listened to interviews with him and he seems very smart and articulate to me. It, it's more than just thinking workers are dumb, which they do. They especially think black people are dumb, which is particularly fucked up. Get the so, Amazon General Counsel David Sapolsky continues, quote, We should spend the first part of our response strongly laying out the case for why the organizer's conduct was immoral, unacceptable, and arguably illegal in detail. Uh, whoa, isn't that stealing? 
No, it's just looting. And only then follow with our usual talking points about worker safety. You've memorized a bunch of talking points. Yeah, talking points. That's, that's what they think about your safety. That's why you need a union. To them, worker safety is a talking point. They don't give a shit about it. But I continue. Um, anyway, sorry, Zapolsky continues, make him the most interesting part of the story, and if possible, make him the face of the entire union-slash-organizing movement, end quote. I would recommend anyone look into Christian Small's story because there's a lot more to it than I'm even highlighting, and it's an inspirational story in terms of labor organizing because he organized a walkout entirely on his own without the backing of a union. The word around the office is that you're a communist. I think Amazon might be biting off more than they can chew with this strategy. And I eat my baked potato including the skin. Clap if you eat the skin. There's a lot at stake for a lot of people right now. This is the deal. People have lost their jobs and are suffering. People want something to do about this. So I think Amazon's strategy of letting Christian Smalls become the face everything blows up in your face. will backfire at least to some degree. Because people who previously would have ignored him or not thought much about it or even criticized him, a lot of those people might be saying, I could do that too. think the capitalist class is in touch with how much Americans are suffering right now with the coronavirus going on. Fielding Wellingtonsworth? Hello. Livingston Winsterford? Yes. Some people who've never thought about striking, unions, or organizing in their entire life, that will be the conclusion they come to simply because the material conditions of their lives demand that they think that way. They need solutions, and if you aren't getting any solutions, then you'll do that. So, Christian Smalls putting the idea in people's heads will be a lot more salient and potent than it would, say, a year ago. One last story before I get to the state of the state. State of the state. The U.S. and America, the United States government and American media are trying so hard to justify their economic cruelty to Iran and Venezuela amidst the coronavirus right now. It's honestly sick. I cannot, I cannot on my daughter's birthday believe that you would sit there and do some crap. Now, I talked about this a little last episode, but the IMF refused to give Venezuela money to help fight coronavirus and the reason why is absolutely pathetic the IMF claims there's not a consensus on who runs the country but of course everyone knows Maduro runs the country even the US acknowledges Maduro as a president or else they wouldn't have put a bounty on his head as well as the kind of place you should go to war with because they have lots of oil and we'll take that the US government says Guaido is the rightful leader but they don't treat the country as if 
a puppet of U.S. empire like Guaido is control it. They treat it like an enemy of the U.S. runs the country. Because he does. Maduro is an enemy to the U.S. because he doesn't let them have access to their oil and oil profit. The CIA talking points. I just want to take a sidetrack real quick. Now, uh, I read a story last night that was pretty interesting. It was on Reuters. Let me pull it up. I have all these other government documents. There's this guy, Mark Weinberger. He's an American capitalist. He worked as a financial advisor at the White House for Clinton. Uh, he's been the board of all these companies, CEO, whatever. Groovy, smashing, yay, capitalism. <laughs> Saudi Aramco, the oil company, the national oil company of Saudi Arabia, appointed Mark Weinberger to the board of directors. And he's certainly not the only or first American to be in this position. And that kind of explains a lot about um, oil dynamics. Saudi Arabia, they, the state owns a capitalist oil company. In fact, it's probably the biggest company in the world in terms of money. And they let American capitalists on the board of it. It's a capitalist state enterprise, and then compare that to Venezuela. Because they have lots of oil. They nationalize their oil, distribute the profits amongst the common people. They don't have a capitalist board of directors, or at least in a conventional sense. And they definitely don't have Americans serving on the board of those companies. So that really illustrates what American diplomacy comes down to. Who has the oil and who's going to give it to us? It's all about the money. The IMF isn't giving money to Maduro because they say there's not consensus on who runs the country. But when you take when you take a step back, you realize this is just complete horseshit. Why didn't you get rid of that bleep of shit? Because after the U.S.-backed coup of 2002 against Hugo Chavez, the first attempted coup, or let me just clarify, it it wasn't exactly a U.S.-backed coup in the same way that, let's say, the Guatemalan coup, the Chile coup, the Indonesian coup. Those were more hands-on from the U.S., this time, the U.S., as far as we know, wasn't providing material support, but they were ideologically backing the, the uh, coup mongers, and they were supporting the coup mongers indirectly. And this should clarify it. So there was the 2002 against Chavez. The IMF immediately rushed to give the U.S.-supported aspiring dictator Pedro Carmona money. However, Carmona only held power for two days, and then the offer was rescinded. I'm listening. Maduro has been the president of Venezuela since 2013, and he's seen as a less valid president 
rightfully elected president than just some dipshit business owner named Pedro, Pedro Carmona who only had power for two days. You said Your they would have to would buy in. Have to buy in. If she uh, qualifies are, for you, are you forgetting what you said two minutes ago? That just shows the hypocrisy of the IMF and how it's used to maintain global hegemonic forces. Who's in charge here? And this is also counters the narrative from only a year ago when the U.S. was uh, allegedly and claimedly trying to send aid to Venezuela. The aid was denied and the Maduro government claimed it was a Trojan horse and potentially contained weapon caches for pro-Guido rebels. It's a total fabrication. Americans balked at the idea that we were smuggling shit through aid like they always do. Oh, <laughs> crazy conspiracy. Uh, but there's certainly a precedent of the U.S. using aid as a Trojan horse for military military intervention. In fact, they do it all the time. I've got time to do a little self-care. And that seems even more true now that the U.S. is just throwing shit at the wall with regards to Venezuela and seeing what sticks. Now they're like, can't get aid because we don't know if you're actually the leader or not. Who's in charge here? When just a year ago they were trying to give Maduro aid. Who's in charge here? And then there's another issue where Iran's government also requests an IF loan to, IMF loan to fight the virus and the US blocked it. If this goes on for too long and I get bored, I'll stop you. Which Iran rightfully calls a quote crime against humanity. Oh, the humanity. Meanwhile, Trump officials have been de debating whether or not to bomb Iran as it struggles with the virus and crippling US sanctions. That's okay, we're just gonna tariff your nation. We're gonna tariff you. Either you're gonna agree or not. Um the famous neocon Eli Lake you may know Eli Lake because he shares his opinions on Twitter a lot. He, he looks like a giant Eggman. His head is very bald and round, and his body is pretty round, too. He's a Humpty Dumpty-looking guy. Where the f*** are my hard-boiled eggs? Yeah, he's the EO, neocon extraordinaire. He wrote an article for... Where was it? Bloomberg, I think. Yeah, he writes for Bloomberg. Billionaires like Mr. Bloomberg seeing huge expansions of their wealth. Headlined, quote, the coronavirus is not a reason to lift sanctions on Iran. Who hijacks nuclear weapons and hold the world hostage. In any other country except for shithole America, this would be just like genocidal language. But in the U.S., it's just the most normalized shit ever. It's actually disgusting. I cannot, I cannot on my daughter's birthday believe that you would sit there and do some crap. I don't have anything more about, anything more to say about this, but it is actually disgusting. So we got some news out of the way, so let's move on to some propaganda. Propaganda! Where I talk about state of the state. The state of the state. State of the state. Now, any failure of commun communism reaffirms the promise of Marxist historiography, and the specter continues to grow. That's right, communism failing actually makes the specter grow. 
the capitalist state apparatuses first told us that communism was over. History had reached its conclusion, and we were going to ride the wave of neoliberalism to utopia. Now they're realizing that the specter of communism is still haunting, and it never stopped haunting. In fact, the more communism became relegated to the margins, the more it continues to haunt. The less capitalism has to worry about communism, the more capitalism is able to accelerate the tensions within itself. And when the tensions within capitalism grow, the specter of communism grows. In Altazar's book, On the Reproduction of Capital Capitalism, also known as Ideology and Ideological State Apparatuses, he begins with a fairly simple explanation of what philosophy is. Bear with me here, because I'll loop back around to my original idea about the specter of communism growing. In the book, he argues that Gramsci is right when he claims, quote, everyone is a philosopher. But Althusser correctly adds that there's a difference between everyday philosophy and capital P philosophy. There's also a difference between traditional, quote, philosophies, as in folk understandings of the world, and philosophy with a capital P. Althusser writes, quote, While common sense philosophy has, it seems, always existed, capital P philosophy has not. Everyone knows how Lenin begins his famous book, State and Revolution. He points out that the state has not always existed. He adds that the state is observed to exist only in societies... You know, we're living in a society... ...in which social classes exist. We shall make a remark of the same sort, but it will be a little more complicated. We shall say that philosophy has not always existed. Philosophy is observed to exist in societies in which 1. Social classes and therefore the state exists and 2. Science or one science exists. My answer is something called science. Altaz end quote. Althusser then goes on to define science and he means it much more broadly than we typically understand science. Basically by science he means quote an abstract ideal or rather idea dependent discipline that proceeds by way of abstractions and demonstrations end quote. Then Althusser gives some historical examples. For example, he says the creation of the Macedonian Empire and the end of the city-state, combined with the idea of a biological science, created Aristotle and Aristotelianism. I'll give more examples. Althusser gives... Another example Althusser gives is the development of legal mercantile relations under the absolute monarchy, combined with the foundation of mathematical physics by Galileo, created Descartes and Cartesianism. Another example Althusser gives is Hegel wrote, in a time after the French Revolution, after the Thermidorian Reaction, and after the Napoleonic suppression of the Fourth Estate and Civil Law Code. This was all taking place in the context of the first approaches to a theory of history, and then that yields Hegel and Hegelianism. 
And then finally, Althusser also gives Marx as an example. He says Marx and Marxism-Leninism develop out of a combination of the emergence, growth, and first struggles, failures, and victory of the workers' movement. And the science of history founded by Marx called dialectical materialism. So what's the impact of this? The impact is that a philosophical system remains relevant as long as the conditions that created that philosophical system remain. The Democratic Party has seemingly crushed the progressive insurgency of the Democratic Party. The tension of capitalism's tight grasp grows closer and closer to snapping, and yet they tell us and told us communism is dead. Communism died when Chairman Deng reformed the Chinese economy. Communism died when the Berlin Wall fell, they said. Marxism remains relevant because the historical conditions and scientific theories of Marx's times remain relevant. In fact, the more the capitalist state apparatus tries to relegate Marxism to the margins of history, paradoxically, the more powerful its ghost becomes. The less Marxism plays into society, society. The more capitalists had the license to push the contradictions that enabled Marxism to develop as a philosophy to begin with. Until something resolves the contradictions that developed out of workers' movements in a material conception of history, Marx will always remain relevant. Interestingly, you could say the same thing about fascism, although fascism is less of a coherent philosophical ideology, and it's more just like power-hungry people who seize power in a capitalist vacuum. But you could say that, you know, maybe fascism development out of the alienation and isolation of the capitalist mode of production mixed with the development of the pseudoscience race science or race realism or whatever they want to call that which is complete pseudoscience but one could say that fascism will always be a creeping threat as long as those material conditions remain true so, in a way, fascism doesn't apply because I believe that communism is the answer to stopping fascism. Fascism is only enabled by capitalism. Um, and to close, I want to say, uh, quote, Badu, Alain Badu. He has a great long quote from his book, The Communist Hypothesis. It starts slow because he talks about math, but bear with me because he makes a really good point. Quote, Take a scientific problem which may well take the form of a hypothesis until such time as it is resolved. It could be, for example, that Fermat's theorem is a hypothesis if you formulate it as, quote, for greater than n, I assume the occasion x to the nth power plus y to the nth power equals z to the nth power has no whole solutions, solutions in which x, y, and z are whole numbers, quote, end quote. 
within Badu. That's an end quote within Badu. He's still continuing. Countless attempts were made to prove this from Fermat, who formulated the hypothesis and claimed to have it proved it, but that not need concern us here, to Wiles, the English mathematician who really did prove it a few years ago. Many of those attempts became the starting point for mathematical developments of great import, even though they did not succeed in solving the problem itself. It was therefore vital not to abandon the hypothesis for the 300 years during which it was impossible to prove it. The lessons of all the failures in the process of examining them and their implications were the lifeblood of mathematics. In that sense, failure is nothing more than the history of the proof of the hypothesis provided that the hypothesis is not abandoned. As Mao puts it, the logic of imperialists and all reactionaries the world over is make trouble, fail, make trouble again. But the logic of the people is fight, fail, fail again, fail again, till their victory. The point is, we have not abandoned the hypothesis of Marx because the conditions that yielded Marxism are still relevant to our society. So the failures to implement that are not actually failures. They're simply attempts at the hypothesis who failed. But they didn't fail the hypothesis. It still exists, and it will still continue to exist as long as there's problems within capitalism, which there will always be problems within capitalism. So Marxism is never going away as long as capitalism still exists state of the state and that has been the state of the state state of the state thank you for listening to the society show welcome to the show my name is christian patterson i have been your host i will be back in two weeks as this is a bi-weekly podcast although i am considering going weekly the problem with that is my use of the soundboard can be very time intensive. What you say? I add lots of clips to the show to make it spicier and funnier and more interesting. Here's a little news flash. It's not funny. In fact, it's pretty freaking unfunny. And since that does take a lot of work, bi-weekly works better for me, but I am considering weekly. Think about it. Uh, Be sure to check out the blog undergroundmall.xyz. Have you ever walked out of a mall into a huge parking area and realized you'd forgotten where you parked your car? Undergroundmall.xyz. That is the blog affiliated with this podcast where I write about similar things as I talk about. Sometimes I talk about different things. Sometimes I talk about the same things, but in more detail. Uh, They really supplement each other. And finally, be sure to check me out on Twitter. I'm sitting there tweeting. Bing, bing, bing. Christian is cool. Is is spelled I-Z. Christian I-Z cool on Twitter.com. And until next time, you have been listening to The Society Show. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other.
on the next Arrested Development. Who do you think teaches your kids how to read? Teachers? Try again. People will do anything for a fucking like, and it doesn't mean a fucking single thing. It doesn't mean shit. Well, I'll be hanging around the arena grounds if you need someone to worship the ground you walk on. You want everything that's gone wrong in this world? These pretzels are making me thirsty! Why doesn't he just act like a president? I shouldn't have said it that way. No, no, I probably best I don't. Shut up, bitch! Can you make a promise today to the British public that you will not go back to Brussels and ask for another delay to Brexit? Yes. And, sorry. I can. And would you rather... rather be, I'd rather be dead in a ditch.